Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today's episode is one that is a return uh, of Eilish. So Eilish was on episode 101. So it's a client interview. So Eilish was on back in, I think, August 2020, which seems like a very, very long time ago. But we've been working together for a very long time. So I think a lot of things have changed and a lot of things have changed for Eilish since things have kind of with COVID and all that kind of stuff so we're going to talk about some like a little bit of kind of her journey and then a little bit of kind of things that she's brought in to help her and her family and stuff like that so eilish thank you for coming on thanks for having me shane i can't believe it's been so long since i was on before that seems absolutely crazy <laughs> i know yeah it's kind of like where is the last kind of 18 months two years kind of kind of gone uh, <laughs> we it's, won't it's say the word <laughs> no we don't yeah to take a shot every time um so i'm gonna let you take it away now and kind of give a little bit of a brief background if someone who hasn't listened to episode 101 uh of like Silla black who you are where you come from <laughs> all righty um so as you've said correctly this time my name is Eilish. <laughs> i am um, i'm originally from cork um but i've lived in galway maybe like the past 12 13 years and so yeah, I always um, have been busy, I suppose, when I was younger. Um, I worked a lot. I did a quite hectic college course. I was a sprinter um, and I was always, always super busy. Um, then I was extremely lucky to fall in love so young <laughs> when I was in Galway and met um, my partner Coleman and we had a little girl um goodness nearly six years ago <laughs> which is just a little bit mental um and that kept my life really busy um so I worked I was a mum um and I never I suppose made time for myself and then when I started working with you three years ago now I think maybe three years ago in July, I um I was on Instagram. I was scrolling aimlessly, and an ad popped up that you were looking for people who wanted to change. So I remember I don't know. I was just really gravitated towards the box, and I was like, "Pick me!" <laughs> Everything sounded like really, really good. Um, because. Even though I suppose I had put on weight, it wasn't uh, like fully a weight loss journey I needed. I needed a way to start looking after myself and stop defining myself as being a student, being an athlete, being a mum. I just wanted to be me. Um, so, yeah, signed up. And here we are nearly three years later on our second podcast and <laughs> ready to share my story. <laughs> It's interesting to hear you kind of say that you're kind of like almost identified as kind of like the kind of the student, then the kind of like the or the athlete, then the student, then the kind of like the mom. So how did you kind of like almost drop those labels or what was the thing that kind of clicked for you to kind of almost drop those? Um, I think it was a lot of small things. Like uh, it was never like a change overnight. It was I think what it was is introducing time for me initially. So if you go way, way back um, before COVID, when I used to go to the gym. So I used, like I work 
a full-time job and at the time I was having to travel to work and then I'd get home from work and then you know it was full-on mom mode for that little bit of time but it was then I used to take two hours every evening and to be honest like I I am extremely blessed to have like a fantastic support network like Coleman has always supported me when I say I need to do things for me so then it was I needed an hour two hours every evening to go to the gym um and for him not to take it as oh I don't want to spend time with you or and it was for him as well like you know not to he wasn't able to go anywhere kid was asleep you know but it was me having that time that was my me time that because it was just me my own thoughts and a training program and some tunes it slowly helped me to understand that there was more to me than just my job being a mum and that you know I could be so much more than those labels I suppose I think it's it's because I met you in June last year, May June last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was interesting to see the how much had changed for all of you, like including your daughter, including Coleman, and how the identity for him has changed because he's seen how you've done it, which has had an impact on your daughter, who is like literally the happiest child I've ever <laughs> met in my life, genuinely. <laughs> Literally makes herself laugh by making a funny noise. It's like, it's hilarious to watch. Um, but I think one of the big things that I, I like is it, it took, it took a while for things to click for you in relation to setting things for yourself, saying no to things, saying no to people. Like, do you think it was kind of the small little things along the way, or was it just one of these big boom moments for you that was kind of like, no, I actually need to sort this shit out. It was never a big epiphany moment, but it was it was like the small things that always help. So like there's the weekly check-in that I've always done with you. Um, I think I've, I I missed one last weekend, but <laughs> it's allowed for him. What happened? So it's all right. <laughs> um, but I've never missed one. Um, I always do it, even when you changed the time frame for doing it. It took me maybe like a month or so for that to click because it had become such a habit. So you have the questions in there that always grounded me. Um, you know, you always had like nutrition, um, energy, stress levels, sleep levels, all those things. And by having to check in like that once a week for 15 minutes, it made me really evaluate like, am I, it was almost like a mini meditation without all the fluffiness that people are so afraid of. Um, where you just kind of like sit down and you think about it and you go okay you know why am I tired why is my energy at a minus one this week when it should be at a 10 because I slept for seven hours each night eight hours each night and it was just constantly asking myself like that question that those questions on that check-in sheet like every single week um that really made me I suppose assess each individual area and then when it became you know, um, I suppose work was one thing. Work was constantly stressing me out. It was too busy. Um, it, was, it wasn't the wrong ladder against the wrong wall completely. It was just kind of like propped a little bit askew. So it was like making like a small little change to that. Whereas now, like, I love my job. Like, I haven't, I haven't hated a Monday in ages. You know, I enjoy turning on my computer to do my work. And that was just constantly assessing Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? And not being afraid to change it. And the little kick that you'd give me if I was <laughs> a little bit too afraid to change it. But yeah. 
I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> no, but I think it's interesting the fact that you've used the sheet because you're quite analytical. Um, and yep. I know you've done stuff for us for the group coaching that we we have had in relation to like the algorithms and stuff behind certain formulas and stuff because numbers just meme numbers just don't work they just don't go at all um, the, but like the big thing for yourself was you've used those metrics and saying like right this is adding up to this so I know to most need to change the beginning of the maths or the sum to like change my sleep habits or change my work hours or more make more time for me and my family. But you saw that. And I think that's the hardest part for most people is to almost accept that they need to tweak something because we're so caught up in the rat race. But since the last podcast, you've changed roles because you wanted one more time for yourself, but you were also in the fortunate position that they almost made a role for you in, in a roundabout way. <laughs> So how big of an impact has that kind of like having the foresight to say, right, I want my life to look like this and how to make it look like the life that you want to make it for yourself? Well, definitely haven't, you know, been scared of a Monday morning is is a big thing. But it, it because I went in and I was so transparent saying, you know, I want to work from X to Y and any time outside of Y is you know, it's it's essentially not acceptable only for, you know, really, really extreme circumstances. So it, what it gives me is like this incredible work-life balance. So before, um, kind of for all of December and January, well, I had implemented doing my workout session in the morning. So that would mean, you know, I'd start maybe like half six-ish and then by half seven, I'd have a full workout done. So that would be my me time or, you know, my my training time done. So then that would bring me into half seven. And this probably sounds like totally over planning, but it's just the way my brain works. <laughs> but it would bring, mean then that from half seven to eight, I can cook and I can wake my daughter gently, you know, so I'm not like racing her out the door and everything's like stressful because that was something that I remember was like the minute that I used to wake up that everything used to be stressed. And like I noticed that like eliminating that for someone so young also really helps them and helps them to think about their day too, I think. But I'm getting I'm not qualified to say anything, but it was just something that I noticed myself. So, you know, waking her gently, then breakfast's on the table at eight and everyone's kind of still chill because we don't start work until half eight in our house. Like we're both working from home. Um so that gave us all time to chill. And then, you know, we've had family time before we've all started our day, which is something really, really rare that we definitely wouldn't have had pre-COVID. Um, so that's really nice. Then, you know, everyone goes to school and work and gets their work done. And then by finishing um, somewhere between like four and five, not the typical five, but by finishing by four, it means that, you know, there's more family time there. You can cook a nice slow dinner. You can play with Lego. You can go outside for a walk after dinner. There's so many it gives you so many hours in the day. And it was actually Coleman had mentioned to doing the workouts in the morning because we used to do them in the evening time. So now instead of racing out to do a workout in the evening, we're able to sit down and chill in front of the telly. And like, to be honest, we have such a chill life. <laughs> like it's so laid back. Really do. <laughs> so, but I think that, yeah, but I think I, that you I think you've made that for yourself though. Yep. By having I think that's a huge thing that you just said there, obviously it's it's not always going to be like that. And you're very fortunate with Robin and stuff like that. She's a very chilled out child. 
I know some kids can be a bit of a nightmare, especially getting up for school. Like I was one of them. Uh, I just didn't like school, so I didn't want to go. But I think it's a big thing that like we are more stressed in the morning. Our bodies are more stressed in the morning. So you're trying not to rise that up. So you're calming yourself down, starting the day on your terms. So whatever else is thrown at you or whatever else is thrown at Robin is you've already started the day on your terms. So it's a hell of a lot easier to manage rather than literally sticking the the, the car, the, the engine in the car on straight away and like literally saying, go, 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 get out of the house, get out of the house. It's not always going to be like that. And it hasn't like it won't always be like that for for some people. Some people will be like, "Oh, that, that that's that's just luck or whatever, maybe." But I do think there's an element of it. Like you've created that structure from an early age for Robin and for you and Coleman, so that it works for you guys, so that you can have that chill out time in the evening. You start the day off on your turn by as you get in the training. It's days when you train in the evenings because um, I get form videos or videos of exercise from Eilish on a regular basis. Uh, it's the most retro gym I have ever seen. <laughs> you can hear the wind going through the windows. Uh, it's uh, it's like, is it a farm shed? No, it's, it's a proper shed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's pretty retro. windy in Galway. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's really sunny either. <laughs> um, but one of the things you, you like protecting the energy was one of the big things about how have you kind of protect your energy against kind of like energy suckers? Because I think that was, that's been a big thing as well. Like kind of almost spending your folks where they need to be. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's, it's probably one of the hardest things I do, but it's the most rewarding and it, it's what protects my mental state. I think it, it's boundaries. Um, and, People who are um, energy zappers are typically, I suppose, insecure within themselves. So a lot of the time they can take you setting a boundary as you being a horrible person or you not liking them or they take it the wrong way. Um, but unfortunately for me, it's and, and, you know, it's it is it's not easy like i won't sit here and say that it's easy to say no to people and like i tell myself all the time that no is a complete sentence that you know you don't need to give a reason why if it's something you feel strongly about but by putting those boundaries there it makes it it's actually quite selfless i think because it makes me a better person so even though the person that you know you might need to set the boundary with is um is taking it the wrong way and they think that you're being mean to them but in actual by me putting a boundary there it's me making sure that i'm the best person of myself that it could possibly be can you give us an example of one of the boundaries that you brought in um <laughs> that's a hard question it can be a work on our personal one a work one is easy it, yeah. it's my finishing time it, it's it's just if I'm finishing at a certain time, I, I need to finish at a certain time because that's that's how I draw the line between being a data scientist versus being a mummy. You know, so the line, it is like a little bit wavy, you know, it is a little bit fluid, but there's very little crossover between the two. And that's what makes sure that, you know, Robin doesn't get shouted at. <laughs> to go do this and that her stats are terrible but um yeah no definitely work-wise it's saying that that like this is my boundary or you know even if 
like, you know, I think during COVID, I was quite, um, uh, what's the word? You know, I was quite cautious. Um, and, you know, people would say, oh, you just come down to go for drinks or, you know, whatever. And, you know, I'd say no. <laughs> because for me, that kept my anxiety low and it stopped me worrying about it. And it meant that, you know, I could do things the way I wanted to on my terms. And it's what kept me happy. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you kind of like between X amount of hours and say between half eight and say four or whatever time it is that you work, um, that that's that's at least working. And then after that is as a mom. I think a lot of people struggle with that line of that is trying to do everything all at once and having no definitive because you're almost you're almost you're subconsciously you're teaching Robin to have that in her life when she gets older. And I think that's the yeah. hardest part for most people to realize is that if you have boundaries for yourself now, without boundaries, it's almost being selfless. But if you're having boundaries, it's almost you're you're being selfish because you're not offering those around you your best version of yourself. Yeah, and I think a lot of people assume that, you know, like like I do work in the corporate world and I definitely was one of those people that were stuck in the rat race where, you know, I thought that, you know, I'd see all my colleagues around me and this is like back when you were in an office scenario or in a factory scenario and, you know, some people would be staying on longer and you'd be afraid of them getting the promotion or getting a leg up with the boss or, you know, doing better. And then I think when people started working from home, they, a lot of people, and me included, you know, were insecure in that, like, how is my boss going to know that I'm doing a good job? How how are they going to know I'm doing this? Oh, there's people that are on at half six in the morning and they're logged on until eight o'clock at night. You know, how am I going to compete with that? And I just, I just said no. <laughs> I just said no. I'm not going to do it. And a lot of people would say it was luck. I, I think it was more hard work because it took a leap of faith for me to trust that I would still be doing quite good at my job because, like, I love my job. I want to do good at it. And you know, luckily enough, um, now I'm 12 months on the other side of you know, saying no and working quite rigid and, you know, making sure, you know, I can see any bonuses or, you know, any performance assessments coming through and they haven't been impacted at all, you know? And I think it was just clear communication because I just said, this is what I set the expectation with, you know, the powers of B. And I said, this is what you're going to get from me. And because my hours are so set, I'm much more, um, I'm much more focused. I think there was one day there where you had messaged me in the morning and I didn't get back to you until after you'd been off your work phone because I just, I couldn't do both that day. And I just put down my phone. <laughs> like you me, but down my phone after hours, kind of like, I don't yeah. come back onto my phone after five o'clock. It's like, I just don't. I've given you guys enough during the day. It's kind of like if you you know the hours at this stage. I was like on a Friday. I text you guys at like in the morning saying I'll be gone at eleven or twelve. It's just like you knows when you you guys know when you can have me. You have me enough during the week, um, and you shouldn't need the constant handholding to do what you're doing if things are going the right way. That's not what a coach's job is. If you're getting handled all the time. 
there's something not right with the dynamic. Um, but it's interesting to hear that you kind of like you had that communication element um, in relation with your boss saying, this is what you're getting from me. I don't think I'll be doing more. <laughs> <laughs> but it's worked. And I think it'll, yeah. most people will, will big that up and say, no, but they want more. They want more. Like, no, no. If you say no, people can't expect more. It's it's the hardest part for people. What you said there about like no is a complete sentence. It takes more effort to say yes because it's three letters in it compared to no. No only has two letters. And most people are like, yeah, but these, they won't like. Like, how do you know this? What story are you creating to that's linked to your self esteem or it's linked to people pleasing? And people pleasing will come from trauma, come from everything else in your life, whatever it may be. But none of us have like. There's so many people that have had like different things in childhood and stuff like that. Everyone has something. Uh, and that's the one thing I realized during lockdown is someone, every single one of us has something that isn't quite in inverted commas normal because no one's normal. It's the biggest thing I've realized. Everyone has, everyone's winging it. Um, but it's the biggest thing that you've said, like the communication element for you um, in regards to that. You have kind of, you when you, when you first started with me, it was kind of like the weight loss was the, the main goal. And I know we have moved now towards kind of just getting strong as fuck. <laughs> uh, how big of a difference have you seen in your headspace in relation to moving away from the element of weight loss all the time to kind of getting back towards kind of like the performance side of things, which is what you had potentially gotten used to when you were uh, when you were uh, as an athlete. Yeah, um, I think the number one thing first that happened was I got okay with the scales. Um, you know, I I know it's a it's a measure on the check in, and it was always going down at the start, and then obviously it plateaued <laughs> because if it would have gone down anymore, I would have just been sickly looking like and not have the energy that I needed um but what was really really good was the photos but when I was actually thinking about this it was it's the videos because you can see so much more in a video and I know with the wind that you mentioned like nine times out of ten I'm wearing a big baggy jumper <laughs> and I'm like freezing but it's it's to actually see that in movement and like seeing the changes and then it became about, okay, I want to put more weight on the bar. And I even remember, like, I think it was the end of December. I, I had the epiphany, but I'd been doing it for months after. But like, I stopped seeing food as, you know, the something that I had to have. But I saw it as, like, fueling my sessions. That, you know, if I ate, like, I eat quite well. Um, I don't track anymore or anything like that. But if I was like, if I can eat, a bit more I'll be able to lift more and then tracking each and every single week you know um it was for me before it was always about weight and then you said it to me one day you went reps reps is a is an achievement too and that was when like everything changed I was like okay so eat so like it'd be like three by five by 30 and then it'd be one by six by 30 and two by five by 30 and then every single week it'll be better and then it, it actually got quite interesting then because we noticed that when I was on my cycle that there was a dip and if we managed to maintain that dip and preempt it 
as opposed to going hard through it and then losing a session um it was like a rest week so it was like one in every three I had a nice gentle rest week and then the rest week I'd be back up to pushing even harder like it was like because there'd be a high peak then a big low drop and then like a higher higher peak because we'd taken that nice easy week so again it's all like that simple check-in sheet like is just (laughs) I I didn't realize I'd be singing its praises so much (laughs) no and I didn't even pay her this time it's great (laughs) but it's interesting that you've realized that because you said getting okay with the scales which we'll talk about in a second we'll kind of go through that and dissect that a little bit more but the big thing that you said there for me is in relation to more reps is a measurement too. Uh, but you've also said there of tracking your cycle and knowing when to push. That is one of the biggest things that we try to drive home. But you're also, you also need to be in the headspace to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see that once that clicked, and getting away from the scales and using the the kind of like the metric of hitting more reps or slowing down the tempo. But you are the, I would say out of all clients that I've ever worked with, you're the one that is most consistent with the videos of your form. Um, and there's feedback there for you. And I know when I went away for surgery last year, you at Dallas mm-hmm. as well. So Dallas helped you on that as well. And Dallas looks at things very, very minutely. So Dallas will like pause it and kind of like, <laughs> Even almost draw lines on it. Um, almost, so yeah. he did draw lines. <laughs> I know he did. Like it's, I still have the video. Um, yeah, that, so, but it does help having that kind of tool. And I think yeah. I wish more would use it uh, because you'll end up hearing things of like, oh, my my lower back is hurting during RDL. And we know RDL wasn't your friend for a while, but you worked harder. You, you also left the ego. You were like, no, I actually need to go down on my way to sort this out. And that yep. was huge. You mentioned there about getting away from the scales. What was the biggest thing for you about how, or how did you get away from it? Or what tools have you got or tips have you got for anyone else that's kind of trying to get away from the scales? Let's just pick a different measurement. Like it, it's a great tool at the start. Um, definitely when you're starting off. And like, I, I wouldn't knock it because it definitely helped me. But obviously then I got to a weight where I started, you know, um, like it it did plateau and it has plateaued for quite some time. So, you know, some people would take that, oh, I'm not doing really good. But it was because when I was using the weight, while I was using the scales, I was always taking progress pictures as well and the videos. So it was being able to look back over the progress pictures and say like, okay, it's totally plateaued, but like, look at the video difference. And like, I even was looking back at videos from when I was in the gym, which was like two years ago versus when I'm using my home gym now. Like, I, th- I think I'm pretty much the same weight, but the composition is totally different. Like, worlds Quads. <laughs> Quads. Quadzilla. <laughs> back. Back. <laughs> yeah, the top of your back is is quite like it's when you when you send those videos over, and I think yeah, when you send the videos over, you can see a massive difference when you're doing kind of like the the pull stuff uh, and the definition in the back. But but the biggest thing is if you've been consistent, like you've probably actually been more consistent with your training during lockdown than I have, which Dallas yeah. would say has it's not hard. I just preferred walking during it because I just didn't want to train. Um, yeah. 
But I think that's the hardest part for most people. Um, in relation to what advice would you give to someone to say, I don't know about around the scales and stuff like that, about how to not have that emotional attachment to it? Well, I think it was like there was a little bit of time where like it would change my mood if I did it yeah. every day. And the minute it changes your mood, like if you get out of bed and you're feeling good about yourself and you've looked in the mirror and, you know, you feel like, and then you go, okay, I'm going to step on the scales and it like drops down how you feel. You got to walk away from it for a little while, like move it to once a week. Uh, um, it, a lot of it is like the content, I think, that I, I, I fill my feed with. Is that if that makes sense? You know, Formula I think one. you... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's my Twitter feed. <laughs> my Instagram feed is mostly um, people that I've probably picked up from listening to your podcast and then branched off onto other podcasts. So over time, like my Instagram feed has just become like health and fitness. And then, you know, you see other people who would like, you know, a couple of people I followed have like taken measurements of themselves day in, day out, like people who speak truth and are not trying to sell you something like those types of people that you can follow and you can watch them go up and down like two kilos, three kilos and, you know, hop around and see that their body composition doesn't change. And I think like I'm lucky here at home as well, because Coleman and I like will talk really openly about, you know, what happens when he goes on the scales versus when I go on the scales and like you're watching another human who looks exactly the same and you know they've wavered by like two kilos because they've done it in the morning versus the evening or something silly or eaten more drank more you know so yeah, yeah don't let it like- affect your mood find a different measurement be it reps be it videos be it pictures yeah, I think it is remove the trigger. If it's triggering, you stay off it. And it's, it is, I think if you if someone has come from a certain background, which I think everyone knows my stance on at this stage. Um, yeah, I think everyone knows my stance. Uh, just remove the trigger and you won't feel as negative towards yourself because all, all you're doing is saying that you're less of a person if you've gained weight. And it's like, you will gain weight. You will lose weight. But it's about not having that emotional attachment to it. Like if you have any food, or put water into your body. Dallas, Dallas does a challenge sometimes with clients. If they're kind of afraid of kind of gaining weight, he'll be like, right, step on the scales faster. No water, no nothing, go to the bathroom. Then drink a liter or two of water, step back on the scales, and you can see how much the scales has gone up by. That's how free, that's how fragile it is. Like if you drink water, the scales is going to go up. Um, and it's a useful tool for some, but it's also educating. And that's the hardest part for most, most people. Are you, as a parent, are you kind of, are you worried about, about kind of diet culture for, as a parent for, oh, for Robin? 100%. And I think that was like, so I didn't even think we'd hit off this, but it's something that I'm really passionate about is how I talk to Robin about food. It is, so important to us at home to both of us and I think that's probably what's really good as well is like we're very united and so she doesn't get mixed messages but when like I'm making her breakfast or she's involved she's often in the kitchen she might be doing her homework as well or something but you know for a while she didn't like meat um she wasn't a big fan of meat um nothing to do with the ethics behind it but just kind of the texture and the flavor 
And I just told her about how important protein was. And she's quite scientific. Like she loves watching scientific shows. So, you know, <laughs> she's five. She's scary. But she's yeah, scary. no teaching her the importance of protein, carbohydrates and fats and like what all those different kind of macros do without, you know, bringing it in a, down to her level and saying how you need to have a bit from all these food groups to be healthy and you know she's the same like we're we're at the stage now where there is a bowl of sweets there's crisps ice cream um lollipops sweets chocolate right beside the fruit bowl uh well obviously the ice creams are in the freezer but like they're right beside the fruit bowl and she knows that she can um have as much from the fruit bowl or as much crackers or whatever she wants from those presses but she knows that she can have one piece of chocolate a day, one ice cream, one bit of potatoes. And it's just, we, ne- we, we never gave, I love the way you've always said, like, food doesn't have a moral compass. We've never said food is bad or good. It's just, you, we need different foods in different amounts. So you're allowed to have a small bit of chocolate, but you can have as much fruit as you want. And, yeah, like, and it's yeah. open to her about it. Food will always be there. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to like what you've done is try and educate without ramming down the information. Uh, we, yeah. we also take into effect that she's five. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, I think it's important to say like, if you're restricting certain foods for yourself and talking about, Oh, I feel fat or cinema clubs or weighing on a scale as you're talking negatively about yourself or talking about foods and you've got young kids young kids are like sponges they're going to pick those up and that's the biggest thing that i've seen from working with people is it's the parents that have knocked on their relationship with food and themselves onto their their the next generation and that's going to keep going so it's it's unfortunate where it is. I do think the education system is improving. I still do think like if you type in the word diet into or lose weight into Google, it's going to tell you the quickest fix, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And I, it's, it's the education system needs to be improved drastically, whatever that looks like. I don't know, but I think what you've said there about like, I think Peppa Pig, uh, I think Rob might be too old for Peppa Pig at this stage. I don't know what Peppa Pig age is for. But um, how about pigs talking about seven day, seven veggies a day? I think so. The education is is improving. I think I think it's seven, but I think when we were growing up, it was like three, four. Yeah. But even most people don't even get three or four in. No. no. Um, and if you think about it, it's not that difficult when you think about it and break it down. It's like, well, if I have berries with my porridge in the morning, I have a banana a snack, and then I have a spud in the evening. Like there's three straight away. Like. So it's not as difficult as people are making out to be. And it also don't, you don't need to worry about veggies. People's issue with gaining weight isn't vegetable intake. It's the lack of, uh, I asked that question this morning. So it's a little bit raw. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but no, I think like, I think the most key point is, is, you know, I, I think you and I was, a, we I heard it somewhere and I sent it on to you. It was an ad on like one of the big national radio stations. And it was saying, it was promoting in December that, you know, only giving your kids treats and I'm putting up air quotes there, like treats on weekends. I was like, excuse me, what? 
and this is from Mortner, and this is like filling people's cars like while they were driving their kids to school and stuff and I'm like but that's treating the restriction mentality whereas I much prefer our bowl of sweets on the counter it teaches you know it's there you can have it if you want to but you know don't eat the whole basket of sweets just have one <laughs> but yeah I don't know I, I still think the education has a long way to go like the internet's great because there's so much information accessible to us and but we have to teach our kids to be media smart as well and not to believe everything that they hear and to you know evaluate things and what way what metrics are you going to bring in to kind of protect robin in relation to the social media thing or are you going to bring in rose i know she's only talking about she hasn't got a phone yet so but what kind of things are you going to bring in um well we definitely like i don't like screens we're not a big screen household um we do have them um but time on them is restricted um so even we call it the small tv it's not a tablet <laughs> it's a small tv um so like she understands she can have that at certain times but you can put all the parental controls on them you know on netflix you can set it to an appropriate age there's youtube kids and it's just about not being afraid of it because if you're afraid of it then you'll end up not having it and then they won't know how to use it wisely it's just constantly making sure i suppose that we're always trying at least to be that one step ahead and you know knowing that youtube kids is there and knowing that she's going to watch things on it and knowing that you know she is going to it's, she's going to be told things on it that maybe we might not agree with but at least have an open dialogue so if she hears something that isn't right um <laughs> i don't think you should say it <laughs> like like okay i'm not a really holy person i'm a physicist like i'm really uh, i'm not i'm not good with the whole god thing <laughs> um but she is she enjoys it she hears it in school and but then she hears conflicting things when she watches her kind of like sciencey tv shows and you know it's kind of funny just having discussions around it and you know not squashing her beliefs like but <laughs> you know just knowing so she's a that five year old yeah <laughs> she's really smart so we didn't we didn't try and make her smart if anything we're trying Fair to you and cole are quite high achievers in relative field so I, i'm not surprised that she's going to be high achiever so i think that's the environment that's been around her so i'm not it's not surprising in any way from having met cole and yourself so that's that's a credit to you guys um if you were to go into robin's class tomorrow about nutrition what would be the first thing you'd, you'd, you'd educate them on who doesn't have a moral compass? <laughs> uh, and just the importance of variety. Um, and, you know, getting them involved. Because I, I, that was one thing that lockdowns really brought back for me was being able to, like, not be rushing meals, but being able to, like, make meals that, you know, take a while to cook. And just getting them involved because, they love it. Like you can literally make her eat anything if she prepares it herself, you know, yeah. and she'll get involved. Like one thing she hates is cheese, <laughs> hates cheese, but she's willing to try every type of cheese. So like, if I find a new cheese that she hasn't tried before, she'll try it. So yeah, it's just to teach them like, just because you didn't like one thing, keep on working till you find what you like, you know, get them involved in making food 
and you know sweets aren't evil they just you can't have as many of them as you can have grapes <laughs> They're not going anywhere, so it's about accepting that you, they're not going to go anywhere. It's about kind of working on the relationship that you have with them. Is what most people have to work on is like they've always been there. It's just there's an abundance of them now. It's if you go into the shop, they're all at around the till, and that's the way people will make the shops and stuff will make money. Um, in relation to the training as a parent, how much have an impact? Do you because you said something to me before we came off air that. Because you've tried prioritize your training, I know this week is a little bit strange. Uh, <laughs> killing Eilish, uh, in relation to prioritizing training for yourself, that Robin now is asking you guys to go for a walk. Yeah, yeah. How big of how how big a thing is that for you that like Robin wants to move because like kids move anyway, like they, they, they can't sit still. But how important has that been for you to say, like, Robin's being proactive about? her health where unintentionally or intentionally but she's mimicking you and Cole yeah yeah like she's even come out to the garage and like she's like I can lift a five kilo <laughs> but no and I think it was you know when we go for a walk I we never tell her it was because we wanted to lose weight we tell her it was good for our hearts and for our heads because we'd all have a conversation you know nobody has a distraction when we're out for a walk and some days, like, we could all go together and there'll be dead silence between the three of us and we could all be together or it could just be two of us or there could be a conversation that, like, does not stop. It's, I think we've just told her it's more for her head and she gets that, I think, which is quite weird. Um, and she enjoys it. And it gives her that little bit of responsibility as well because, like, we have two dogs, so it's making sure... That they get out for their walk so she, you know she gets a sense of pride that you know she's making sure that her dogs get out for a walk and I think it's just it's it's the no distractions that you know we're all we all just get out together um and we just sit in the car and we don't make a big stress about it like you see so many people and they're there like and there's wellies coming and there's hip blasts coming and there's so much but no we just literally rock up in the car with you she usually has her bike and just walk and that's it it's just a nice part of the day yeah and I, I think it's 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 epic to see that like that's been ingrained in like so robin is nearly six this year is that correct yep. so like yep. we've been working together for what two and a half years at this stage so yep. like almost half her life she's kind of been watching what mommy's been doing or what Cole's been doing because Cole's done some work with myself as well and yep. got the back gains as well from the yeah. photos I've seen. Uh, and was get, oh, I think he was getting a bit of jealous of uh, Eilish's gains in the gym. So he, he had to he had to step it up. Um, but I think she sees that on a daily basis. And yeah, and this isn't to knock anyone because not everyone's going to be have the time, or they may have more than one kid or whatever it is. And their kid may be a fussy eater, all that kind of stuff. It's not to knock down anyone that's out there at the minute. The parent that can't do this what Eilish has done for herself is looked at what she wants her life to look like, communicated that with work, said, I can do this. Can we make this happen? If the answer was no, you would have been okay with that. Um, yeah. And probably had a plan B or a C. Um, you've also communicated with Coleman. You've also communicated with Robin. 
you've educated Robin and Coleman on certain different things. You've created the house environment for you by having fruit available on the press and the counters, sweets available on the counters rather than restricting. So there's some of those small little things could make a massive difference in someone's household. Because what a lot of people will do is, well, I can't have these foods in the house, so I might as well not have them. And then when they come in the house, I, none of guests are going to eat them all. So the biggest thing I would say is try and reduce multi-packs into the house for someone, but try and have yeah. something that you enjoy in the house every single day. Have a soul food. Like you're a much nicer person with chocolate in your life. Like just like stop restricting the fucking thing. Like or just make, just... the time to have it. I think that was another important bit. Whereas like, you know, at, like if I said I wanted to have it after, it actually became an after lunch thing, but I'd say that I'm going to wait to have it after dinner. So all day I'd be thinking about it going, can't wait to have like that lovely bar of chocolate and a cup of tea and look forward to it and then enjoy it when you have it. Like me and ice cream. That's yeah. my, that's yeah. my, um, that's my big thing. That's my evening thing. Um, yeah. So like eight o'clock every evening, ice cream in hand. That is my my sacred you time. Eat after six p.m. I know, <laughs> I know. Six oh one, the insulin fairies come down. If people can't get sarcasm, no, no, I'm I'm six. joking, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, yeah, eat after six p.m. Jesus, I forgot about that silly one. So much shit with shit. Um, but I, know, I think that there's a lot of lessons in what you've said, kind of like moving from the identity people pleasing, um, no is a complete sentence, getting okay with scales, tracking your cycle, moving away from kind of like the tracking side of things, diet culture for your daughter. Uh, I'm not going to mention the setback with your injury because I think it's too raw. Eileen, <laughs> she's not allowed to train at the minute. Eileen, <laughs> she's not allowed to train at the minute. She uh, had a little bit of a setback with her. Uh, ankle uh about 10 days ago and uh she's been advised to not train and it's killing her uh but what was the message you sent me on friday i'm glad i listened see i'm always right because <laughs> when I, I i broke my foot and i can't drive i can't train can't do anything and i severely underestimated how tiring it would be um, to be in pain constantly and I like in my head had this I need a sit down routine like that chain like I need this I need to keep it going I need to get my bike on the rolling road you know <laughs> yeah no I haven't trained since I did it but one thing that I did do um uh which was I wrote down every day one thing that I was grateful for so the gym used to be my way to feel positive in the morning. So instead of writing down what I did in the gym, I wrote down what I was grateful for, no matter how stupid it was. Um, I listened to my coach. <laughs> and um, I made like to-do lists, like really basic to-do lists um, for things that I could do um, so that I could um, at least feel accomplished, even if it was just small little things. But I also made a to-do list for Coleman. So anything that I couldn't do myself so that we were easily able to communicate. So, you know, um, I wasn't expecting too much or he wasn't thinking that I needed stuff done that I wasn't writing down. So we just made a a list um, of things that I needed done that I couldn't do. So, yeah, even though, you know, things get thrown up in the air, like I'm still happy. I'm still positive. Still might be going ski. Well, yeah, no. Um, you might be going on a snow sled if you're going skiing. 
I don't think you're going to ski. I'm sorry to break it to you. Uh, otherwise, you can do the app or ski. That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> For most people, it is. Um, so yeah I think Eilish thank you so much for, for coming on again if anyone wants to listen to Eilish's previous episode which was episode 101 I think it's like the 21st of August I think it's something quite scary that's how long ago it was uh, Eilish thank you so much for, for coming on and kind of giving your words of wisdom thank you for being so kind <laughs> I don't know if the words are wisdom or ramblings of a crazy person but thanks for having me on for a second time I appreciate it thank you <laughs>